No I am shaming. not ashamed of being 35 years old and going out on a Wednesday night like I'm 22. You know, <laughs> we should all die for this. <laughs> the record i'm not hungover but i'm just i'm like tired it's it's not funny when you reach a certain age you're like it's not the alcohol i consume it's how late it's I the age it's mm -hmm. not the alcohol it's the age Welcome to the Integrated Care Podcast from the Collaborative Family Healthcare Association. I am your podcast editor, Dr. Grace Pratt. I'm the behavioral medicine faculty at a family medicine residency program in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma at the Great Plains Family Medicine Residency. And I'm joined by three of our co-hosts today. And we are going to have a conversation about your first day of integrated care. So I have many students starting. In fact, I was having a student observe with me yesterday doing their very first training day of integrated care. And I know several of us work in training environments and there are always new BHCs and physicians and other providers starting in integrated care. And so kind of selfishly, I wanted to have a podcast episode I could point them to and say, hey, listen to this as we're getting started. So we're going to create that today. As you are introducing yourselves, I would love for you to answer our icebreaker question for today. If you could wake up every morning, open the curtains and see a big picture window with the perfect view, what would that view be? Let's just head around. So to my left on our Zoom window today is Dr. Deepu George. Hey, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, whenever you're tuning into us. Uh, thank you for being here. My name is Deepu George and I'm a behavioral science faculty like uh, Dr. Pratt here. Uh, I am at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, very close to the U.S.-Mexico border in McAllen, Texas. And uh, we are happy that you tuned in. So my ideal big picture view outside would be uh, some kind of naturey, foresty look. Now, woods is great, but if I could, I would also like water and mountains, if possible. I don't want to get too greedy here. This is but not. That's what I would like. Does it have to be a real place? Just your perfect view. So I say, yeah. shoot for it. That sounds great. Okay. Next, we have Dr. Christine Borst. Hi, I'm Christine Borst, and every time I'm like, what do I even say about myself? I'm a multi-passionate professional, and I do a lot of different things. Feel free to Google me for more information. Um, I, this sounds crazy, but I literally just said it to my husband last night as we were going to bed. I was like, I just can't get over this view. Like, we did some construction in our bedroom, and now we can see like Pike's Peak from our bed and the whole, like we have a, some open space behind our house. And so it's like fields and trees and Pike's Peak and then part of Colorado Springs, the city view. So it's just like, dude, this is great. I mean, Deepu did talk about water. And I'm like, well, that would be cool too if we could have like some sort of, like some ocean front too somewhere in that, but, um, I feel like it's even more like, whoa, because we get to look out of it every day. Yeah. I love that you guys aren't taking that for granted because it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, and then we have Dr. Bridget Beachy. I am Bridget. I'm a clinical psychologist by trade, BHC, behavioral health director, have a, a consulting company. Yeah. So what did you say? Multi- Multi-passionate professional. Ah, I like that. I feel like I'm passionate about the 
different aspects. Yeah, I, I think that I've always had a thing for kind of being high up. Like as a kid, I like tree houses, you know, as an adult, like those carriage houses where like you're up on the second floor and looking out stuff. So whenever there's like VRBOs or, uh, which I heard was actually pronounced Verbo, that's new to me, uh, or Airbnbs. I, I, I always like getting funky ones where you're up high and looking over. Uh, I love, DP, we were mind melting right there. Like the, the, the mountains and maybe you see some water coming through. There's like a bald eagle flying. Maybe I'm a convert now. I'm in Pacific Northwest. But that's like exactly what I pictured. So uh, definitely some wildlife up in there. And then definitely a blue blue sky with some popping white clouds. Ask for the weather too. That just completes the whole picture. Uh, per- nice. Personally, I would love to see the beach. I mean, maybe if there's like an island in the distance, so it's not just water, but not, I want to see it. But then I also would love to be able to just raise my window and listen to the waves a little bit instead of the recording of waves that I listen to every night for my white noise and my app while I'm sleeping. It'd be nice to have the real thing. Uh, well, thank you all for sharing that and for being here today. Um, we have a great show. I want people to look forward to something in the future. So we're going to be doing an episode soon about value-based care and the implications of that, the meaning of that, what implementation is possible now versus what we're seeing in the future. Um, but we wanted to hold that conversation until Naftali and Monica could join us for that to include their knowledge in our conversation as well. So we're going to do that. What I said, um, kind of your welcome to your first day of integrated care. Um, whether someone is a trainee or a, you know, a resident, a student, a physician, um, a behavioral health clinician, you know, we got to start somewhere. And those first days and those early days can be really intimidating. And I know that we have um, a lot of collective years of supervision represented on our call and a lot of collective years of um, working in integrated care. So I would just open really broadly. What are some of the things that people might be asking themselves or might be wondering as they're walking into this first day? Let's normalize it a little bit for people that are just getting started. Well, I'm assuming that because of how new integrated care is, that the average BHC maybe didn't have the most uh, well put together onboarding process. So there might be a ton of unknowns. Now, not if you come to my system, we're hiring, by the way, we will have all that rolled out for you. Uh, So you'll know exactly where to go and you'll have all your questions answered. But if you just thrown in there, you're probably thinking, where do I sit? Where do I see patients? Is anyone going to know who I am? Have they introduced me? How do I introduce myself? Does anybody know anything about my presence here and like what I'm supposed to be doing? Do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? Yeah, I think there's a lot of questions too about like, what's the culture of this place going to be? Are people going to appreciate me here? Are people not going to like what I have to say? You know, and maybe it will make sense to divide our conversation a little bit into, you know, the traditional mental health providers versus the traditional medical providers, although, you know, that's part of the cultural shift that we're talking about. Everyone's entering this environment where we are all clinicians that are providing care together on a team with different roles, but, you know, we have other episodes about that. Um, But these questions of how are we going to talk to each other and how are we going to work together? And is this even going to be a welcome thing? I think those are really normal questions to ask too. 
Yeah, I remember uh, my first day. So if I can kind of put me back into the shoes of uh, 2013, kind of walking into primary care. And I just felt really disoriented, really, <laughs> to be honest, in the beginning, right? Because I didn't know um, what to expect. And, and, and this is like before, like my full blown conversion into PCBH. And I was kind of in the I was in a medical family therapy, uh, integrated care fellowship, and I walked in the first day. And, you know, I was just being introduced. I remember just hearing stuff and I was like, oh my God, I don't know this stuff. I don't know what this is. And uh, within like the first hour that I was there, the the other VHC that was supposed to be there wasn't there on time or she had an emergency or something. And I was in a patient's room <laughs> within like within the first 30 minutes and um and i had like i was reading like brief strategic therapy and solution focused therapy stuff like much before that because i knew if i was walking into a place like primary care i needed to be in a much quicker pace like i just knew that much right like just kind of going with that sense and it was it was an interesting conversation we made some connections and and links for the patient and i kind of walked out and i think that was like, I, I don't know, fire by baptism, fire by gushing water, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I, I still remember just being nervous and not really knowing a lot of things. And definitely all the medical terminology that I heard uh, was new to me. And then uh, and then really had to talk about myself, right? Like, because I knew conceptually what I was there to do. But then I also thought, man, these guys must be thinking I'm some kind of therapist and here to do kind of uh, psychotherapy kind of work. And I know I'm not supposed to, and, you know, it's all, all of those um, great debates in my head. Uh, I, uh, Dan Marlowe was one of my mentors going into that uh, process. And um, as I applied for that position, I was essentially swimming against the current because there were other people with, uh, you know, integrated care trainings in their doc programs that were applying too. And I was so thankful that I was chosen. And then one of the things that he told me on the first day is he said, you know, all of the other candidates had good training, but he said, you really have a sense of how to build community and build relationships. And he said, if anything matters in integrated care in your role is your ability to build community and is your ability to connect with people. And he said, your job is to build a community here and you kind of being a part of that. And so for first time BHCs going into this role, that may be something you want to kind of keep in your mind. Speaking of Dan Marlowe, Dan Marlowe, if you hear this, you should come talk to us one month because I love the way your brain works and we could really work out some stuff. Yes, I, I owe uh, Dan Marlowe and Matt Martin um, my entire career uh, for integrated care. Yeah, I love the advice that he gave you. Um, it remind, It's similar to advice that I give my interns a lot because a lot of times they're those initial questions are, what am, what words am I going to say in the room to someone? And when you're thinking that specifically about what words you're going to say, then it gets really overwhelming with, well, what problems am I going to see? And how am I going to intervene with every specific this, that, and the other? Um, and I feel like that's a really normal fear. And the reassurance I give them is similar to what Dan said to you. Like, you are coming to be a person in the room to sit across from this person, to be a witness and to a support in their suffering or their goals or their struggle or whatever they may be facing right now. So you don't have to leave who you are as a person at the door. And so take that in and take those experiences and take that compassion. And you're already 
like ahead. That is the beginning of what you need to bring. And I found that to be pretty comforting. And I want to share that advice with whoever in the future I'm going to direct to listen to this episode. So my new interns and any other new clinicians is you are bringing in a lot of knowledge and experience and you may not know yet exactly how it's going to be relevant. And you may not know yet how you're going to use yourself in the room to connect with the patients. Um, But that is something that will be an important part of your process. Yeah, Dave and I always say that there's two buckets that you're going to be working on. One bucket is kind of what to do clinically. And then the other bucket is related to what is the setting and the context that you're in. So depending on exactly where you are, you're going to want to gather as much information as possible. What is the mission of your organization? Uh, And if you can find out the organization's overarching goals, then you're going to want to customize from a behavioral health lens, well, how can I be a part of that? If you're looking at workflows, and again, if you're in a place that maybe isn't overly well-defined, well, how do they utilize maybe some of the other services? What type of workflow? Do they use Microsoft Teams? Do they use some type of other instant messenger system? And try to tailor and customize uh, off of what's already existing as much as humanly possible. And then if you're in a role where you're, maybe it's more PCBH, then, you know, you make a joke, you make as many uh, connections as you can. And you make a joke about, you know, you can't refer to me as a counselor. You got to refer to me as a BHC. Here's why, here's what I do. And kind of explain that process in a, a super fun way uh, and, and really get that buy-in. And then on the, there's a, so that's the whole primary care bucket and understanding, okay, what is, what, what is the organization? What is the mission? And then there's the clinical bucket, which it's kind of frightening to me as we're saying all this out loud of how many times folks are just thrown thrown in because I don't think that that's necessarily fair. I don't really think that's necessarily fair. And I don't know if that's like a true depiction of what integrated care can really be and the magic of it. I think the magic of it is when we have this stuff ironed out prior. And I think that if there's any supervisors out there, please, my God, put together a really extensive onboarding. We Ours is six to eight weeks. You will not be flying solo until probably, you know, six, seven, eight weeks. Well, that's how important this stuff is. That made me think a lot of the work that I've done isn't necessarily with trainees, but with people who have been hired, who have worked like as therapists, traditional therapists out in the field for years before they get hired into the system. And it's interesting because it's, it seems like a different mindset almost. You have to approach it in a completely different way because I started an integrated care in my doctoral program. I was still a trainee. I had different expectations for myself too. And I think the system had different expectations for me knowing that I was learning. And then we have in other facilities, we're bringing on these people who are hired, who have never worked a day in integrated care, but might love it or feel really passionate about it, but not know at all what PCBH is. So I wonder if you all have had experience with that. And if you treat those as different kinds of trainees or expectations are different. I don't six to eight weeks for everybody. Do you notice a difference? I know that there's a lot of when I have worked with students in the past, they seem to be a little bit like, yeah, I get this. Whereas you have seasoned professionals in a new environment or in another interesting component is, is when a system decides to integrate, right? When they may have been co-located before. And so we have this co-located therapist that's been in the system for two years back in their office, back in the back. And then suddenly the system decides to go like full integration. And then you're training somebody who doesn't want to be trained. 
Christine, you're bringing up so many points. This is more relevant for my consulting work because in our system, we wouldn't even hire somebody if they're not all in from day one. So we get to weed all of that out because it's like we're not even going to on we're not even going to bring somebody into the system unless they want to do this. But the challenges are very different, like a, tr a trainee versus because they have different like okay if they're all on board with it, then it's like, okay, how are we going to reduce from a 50 minute visit to a 30 minute visit? So they have different questions. So you're a thousand percent spot on with that. So it's almost like when I train somebody who has worked in mental health before, I'm doing a lot of untraining, unlearning. And then for somebody who's new to this, I'm doing a lot of upskilling. So it's like, you're trying. Uh, and then for the consulting work that I'm doing, that is the biggest challenge is uh, sometimes you can have a conversion and sometimes you can't. Yeah, I think yeah. a theme through what you guys are saying is regardless of whether it's your first day of integrated care because your system told you it has to be, or you are a new trainee, or you have a history and you're moving into a new position, or maybe the system is flipping the switch and saying, okay, today's the day we're going to start doing this. Conversations about expectations and clarifying those expectations become really important because it seems like that's where a lot of the breakdown in communication and in the team happens. When, when you were saying that, Christine, I was thinking of a story I've heard from a clinician in a system who had been hired and the expectation was traditional therapy, and then they decided to shift to integrated care. And then back to the question Bridget was saying about where am I going to stand? Like they took away the therapist's offices too. So then they everything they knew was different. And that kind of change is really hard. And so that that's a different experience as someone who's coming into this prepared and, you know, engaged and, and buy-in. So asking yourself and your system, regardless of what shoes you're in, what are the expectations here? And can we clarify some of this is really important. Like Bridget was saying too, I think depending on most of the work that I've done is very uh, more system level work. And so the vital importance of getting that system on board and prepared regardless of what the transition looks like. Because a lot of the places I've worked with too as a consultant, you know, we don't have other options, right? You've got the one therapist who's willing to do this and you need their buy-in and it's not a, well, you know, move or lose it kind of situation. Um, and there's a lot of finessing that I think is involved with the system regardless if you're working as a consultant at the systemic level, or if you're just trying to make this work, you know, as the BHC who's in charge of all of this. Yeah. yeah. I was really connecting what Bridget was saying in terms of it is not fair to clinicians to be put in the spot, right? And for those of you who may be finding themselves in a situation where you are charting the path and you're not given this wonderful orientation, six to eight week long-term uh, the long press for that long. Uh, one of the things that I found really helpful and orienting is uh, Perinda Khatri would always say, you're in primary care. So your role really is to respond to the functions of primary care, right? And so that's really helped me take off my hat and put on the hat of a primary care team member, right? So this may mean uh, learning and picking up information and, and kind of workflows and skill sets that you didn't have before. Why would a BHC care about diabetic foot exams, right? Learn about it, ask your peers about it, ask your physicians about it. So that's one thing that I always think about. The other thing is in systems, even systems may have unclear expectations of what the BHC is supposed to be, especially for systems that are transitioning from co-located or coordinated care to kind of an integrated care setting, they may not have fully matched up the expectations of a behavioral health consultant 
what it would mean for the physicians, what it would mean for the workflow, what it would mean for the medical assistants, and then how would they begin to handle things that they handled differently in the past, right? So I think a lot of the times uh, in some places, it's going back to the system and saying, hey, you've hired us to do this work, and this is what we're training your clinicians for. However, your policies and procedures, and then there's a certain amount of attitudinal um, structures that are in place that is not going to make this successful. And that shouldn't be on the clinicians. This is something you as a CEO or the C-suite or the clinic manager also need to own as part of the process. Uh, Bridget, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I do want to pick your brain a little bit here because I know you guys have gone through a metamorphosis when it comes to the six to eight week plan, right? For new trainees that are oncoming. What was that like for you guys? Like what made you kind of go from six to eight? What was missing before that, that it began to cover and gave you more confidence about that six to eight week process? Yeah. So originally when Dave and I were hired at uh, CHCW, we had Kirk there and he brought, they brought Patty in. So we got to have this whole really awesome experience with Patty Robinson and Kirk Strassel. And then uh, as I became the director of the clinical side, it was basically, it was my job to hire folks and we're in the middle of nowhere, Yakima, Washington. And so that was really difficult. So yeah, you're, the chances of getting somebody with integrated care uh, background was at that point pretty much impossible. We did pull one rabbit out of the hat at that time. But so I was so early on, this was 2016. Yeah, this was 2016. And I was all about all things PCBH, but I was not really in a place where I was doing any type of training. It was all about like, I guess me becoming a BHC. And then that is a transition. So when Patty had done like train the trainer, then it started kind of getting into my mind that like whoever I bring on, I'm going to have to be the person. I mean, Dave will be able to help me. And then, uh, you know, we knew that Kirk was going to be retiring. So we, the first person that the first couple of folks that we brought on, we were able to have Kirk help with. And, you know, we had a lot of handholding in that regard. And then when it was all on me, I was like, okay, three to four weeks should be good. And we had some really great clinicians. So I kind of got lulled into a false sense where they got it really quickly. And then after that, I realized, no, 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 no. Like there's too many things that we had to kind of go back and try to do. And I realized that I didn't tell them all the nuances. So even though they picked it up so quickly and I was so, as a director, I was so excited, like, oh my gosh, they're getting this and they're able to see all these patients and they were so fantastic, but there were just nuances and there were details that I had missed. So uh, it's kind of selfish because I'm like, as a director, I need to make sure I do this stuff at the, at the, at the beginning so that we don't have to go back and do this. And then as you guys know, working in this like chaotic environment while you're trying to see a bunch of people and then you didn't properly answer people's questions and now you're, you're having to go backwards. So it, it really is worth it to put the effort up at the front. And then when we brought the training program in 2017, at that point, it was already clear that anybody that we're bringing into the system. And so they have a month on month long onboarding. I mean, they're not even like, it's crazy how intensive it is for our pre-docs and most of the postdocs we've kept were pre-docs, so they don't have as much of an onboarding. Uh, but yeah, if you're brand new into our system, it is going to be another three to four four weeks. If I can translate that into a message for people who might be listening, preparing for or recently after their first day of integrated care, it would be, be patient with yourself. It's going to take time to learn this. And that is with an incredibly supportive system, with a very well-designed onboarding system 
it's going to be a couple months until you feel like, you know, in, at your system that you're telling them, okay, you're good. And I, I hear from clinicians and I see in my trainees all the time that, you know, it's a, a couple months or in and they're like, I still sometimes get flustered or I don't know what to do. Or there's this one piece that I'm still not understanding. And they take that to be, you know, a failure on their own part or a, a sign that maybe they're not a good fit for this, or they shouldn't be here in the first place. And I just want to encourage anyone listening to take you know, 14 steps back and have a lot of grace for yourself and recognition that this is a, a different way of operating. And even if you've done integrated cure before, every system is different. All of it is different. So it does take some time. Grace, thank you for saying that. And Deepu, thanks for, uh, I should have, I guess, prepared a little bit more in that way before this. I, I Even going back on this little journey, just trying to remember each of the steps, like it is crazy how much work went into it. And you're a thousand percent right, Grace, like when you see new directors or new BHCs or BHCs who have no onboarding or BHCs who've had good onboarding, you're a thousand percent right that I think the most important thing to do is to clarify your value and your mission for why you're there. And if you're there because you want to be accessible, if you're there because you're realizing that the way we've done things isn't getting out to enough people and you want to make a difference then you can learn this stuff and it's going to take way longer than what you think it is. But if you're not really feeling the, the vibe of like, I don't want to be interrupted. I think that's also okay. Like I know that we have a spin of like being biased towards PCBH and I'm all things PCBH, but we need people in every type of profession. Are you kidding me? So if somebody wants a slower pace or they want more traditional or they want this or that, I don't think that that's wrong or that's bad. We have a niche that will need to be filled somewhere else. So I think that's another thing is like, there shouldn't be any shame that if this isn't for you, that that means that you're not a good clinician or you're a bad person or something. Uh, and so I actually apologize for sometimes saying things to make it seem like that PCBH is the only way to go. Cause I, I truly do not mean that or feel that way. I think it's, and I would encourage people to take it as an opportunity to, for reflection. So whatever system you're in, if you're feeling not, like it's not a good fit, do ask, is this me or is it the system or is it my training? Or as we know, it's usually some combination of a both and sort of situation. And then after you've given it some time, then maybe pivot and do, you know, look for the thing that's going to be the right fit for you and your skill set. And back to what I was saying before, like you are bringing an important thing to this field that no one else is because you are the only one who is you. Um, and so I, I want you to reflect a little bit on, you know, what can you bring and how can you maximize those things? And um, I've been jotting down some questions as we've been talking that I just want to, you know, throw out rhetorical questions as sort of a guideline for what people might be looking for, what they might want to ask themselves as they're getting into this. And I think all of these apply to, you know, not only our behavioral health clinicians, but also other medical providers that may be any team member that may be involved in integrated care. And I wonder if there's any of these you would expand on or add to. Um, so as we've been talking, it sounds like people, you know, we want early trainees on their first day, even from their first day of integrated care to be asking themselves, what's the culture here? What are the expectations of everyone? I also think a good one to ask is who are my people? You know, who are those champions? Who are the people that you connect with that you have the buy-in that um, you will, you know, learn from and build off of each other? 
And also kind of what are my go-to resources? There will be resources from your, from your system. We certainly hope and want CFHA to be a resource. We work hard to create this podcast to be a resource, um, but to not feel like you're alone and you have to reinvent this, there are places you can go for information and it's going to be a little different for every person, but be asking yourself, where am I going to go? What are my resources? Um, I wonder if there's other questions like that, rhetorical questions that you would encourage people to ask um, as they're sort of getting their bearings about doing integrated care, maybe for the first time? I think uh, it's less of a question and more of like a thing to do. Like if you don't have a structured onboarding process, one of the things that you should ask your supervisor or the clinic manager is to say, can you spend a week just shadowing every single station within your clinic? Can you shadow a PCP? Uh, In uh, Patty and Jeff's book, uh, there's a great PCP shadowing, kind of like a worksheet that you can take with you. This is just so that you can get good at understanding what does a primary care doc handle? uh, How does he handle it or she handle it? How do they deal with like multiple demands uh, at the same time? And then shadow a a medical assistant, like a shadow multiple medical assistants because they all work a little differently then make sure you shadow your front desk because they are handling so many things every single day, right? So you may be relying on them in the future for appointment scheduling and other things. And this is new for them as a a behavioral health consultant, uh, your appointment within primary care. They're not used to having uh, probably a provider like you. So know what they deal with on a daily basis. My uh, go-to place is to think about build empathy maps for every single provider and and the team, right? So you have a sense of what is it that they deal with every single day. Then when you want to introduce a new process and a new procedure or new screening, you want to rewalk all those maps because you want to get a good sense of what would this do to the front desk? What would this do to the MA? What would this do to the PCP? And if you're in a residency clinic, you want to think about what would that do for the precepting process or whatever it may be. So uh, when our new BHC came for the first week, that's all she did, right? She uh, just sat with the preceptors, sat with the resident as they saw their patients, sat with the MAs on both pods, sat with the front desk, uh, shadowed the clinic managers so that they get a full 360 of everything that's going on. And that should really... Um, a big, that should really answer a lot of questions for you, right? And it may also give you the the non-verbal culture of the clinic as well. Uh, so you can l- kind of learn to read and adjust and, and kind of build alliances and relationships and learn how to be in that system. That's what I was going to say too. That's such a good relationship building exercise as well. So it's not just you know, our front desk person, but the name of that person, and you know, some about them and we work better in teams when it's in the context of our relationships. And we have that. I love how you said, you know, building empathy maps of looking towards how we're all doing hard work and we all need to be functioning at the top of what we can and supporting one another for this to be effective. And maybe that's one of the things I want to say to new clinicians. If you have felt like you've always had to go it alone, if you have um, not had the support uh, of a team environment, 
that's something you can look forward to and you can contribute to a healthy team. Um, keep your eyes open to maybe places where that system is healthier, unhealthy. Um, you know, pay attention to the boundaries that you're entering, the communication, all those good relational aspects of, you know, teams are like families in a lot of ways because they're small systems too. Um, but be ready and, and hopeful about the opportunity maybe to collaborate and to work together in a team. Some of the best advice, Grace, uh, that I received was from Kirk Strassel. And we actually did a PCBH corner on our YouTube video from uh, videos from back in the day. I think it was like 20, I don't know, 2015, 2016, but it's really good uh, with Kirk. And uh, we said, what advice, new advice do you have, or what advice do you have for new clinicians? And he said, be willing to think outside the box, be willing to question things, to all these things that you saw as truths maybe they're not. I was doing some consulting work recently and uh, it was a, she did traditional work and now is moving to the BHC role. And she's like, what other sacred cows do I need to slaughter? How, what other, what other things do I need to get rid of? Uh, and I was like, well, yeah, there's a lot of, <laughs> and so, you know, we started going through them and saying that like every patient needs, you know, a certain amount of time. Yep. We're going to, yeah, we don't, that, that's not something that we necessarily need to, to do. And uh, that we can't talk about trauma on the first visit, or we can't talk about difficult things right off the bat and just all these things. And it was really cool how open she was of like, all right, let me at it. All right. What kind of things have I been entrenched in my thinking that I have to say, you know, maybe that's not true. And so it goes back to what Dr. Strassel had said, and that's changed my lens forever. And even now, uh, you know, there's, there's nobody who ever has it. I don't have it. I don't have integrated care figured out. The context is constantly shifting. So then you're shifting and you're shifting with the different technologies, the different missions of your organization, different clinics have different contexts. So if you ever feel that you have it, that's actually probably a little bit of a dangerous time, to be honest. Yeah. I said at the top of the show that I had a, one of my new trainees working with me in integrated care yesterday, and we were going through workflows and doing some encounters that she was shadowing me on. Um, so I could kind of demonstrate what it can look like. And I... Most of my job now is training and supervising and teaching the residents. And so I'm, I am felt like my integrated care muscles were a little rusty and I still had that moment of, oh my goodness, what's going to come through the door today? What am I going to say? And it seems like the longer I go without doing it, like space between times when I'm doing the dedicated integrated care, the more that bubbles up in me. Um, but what I loved is, you know, just in that one morning of that focus time and shadowing, we saw the variety, we saw the connection, we met with different people. And the, the advice that emerges from that for me is don't worry so much about exactly what you're going to say, because you can't know, you don't know what's going to be on the schedule that day. You don't know who you're going to walk into. Um, so you have to lean into that a little bit and embrace the flexibility and try to see the positive in the fact that, um, you know, I'm going to walk in and speak with this person. And I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but I have the tools, I have the relationship and we have the system that's ready to support that patient and whatever they need. Yeah. I, I think, um, one of the things that, uh, Grace, all of the things that you're saying, it reminds me of is just Dr. Ebony Winford. She has this analogy in, in one of her trainings where there is a, a duck, right? And so you kind of see this serene uh, river and there's a duck and the duck is kind of moving along smoothly. And then you zoom out below the picture, you can see underwater as the duck kind of like doing a lot of moves to kind of keep it afloat or keep it moving, right? And that is kind of where 
that's a skill set that you kind of walk into as you move through this process, right? Like you, you kind of know there's a lot happening. You're managing a lot. And uh, externally, you're kind of present and available to whatever is happening with you where while we know that internally, you're maybe feeling a little anxious or maybe feeling a little worried or probably called in different directions and learning to kind of take a step back and manage that. And I think that kind of uh, gets you to think about the pace and then the along with the pace, what kind of external display that you uh, ultimately have as a team member, as a, as a BHC or, or whatever role that you have. The other thing that I uh, kind of go back to what both of you were talking about earlier is like this, whatever work we do in the spectrum of mental health with the uh, state of the nation where we are, we all know mental health is such a needed, uh, necessary, vital component of our national uh, growth as a country. So be really serious about this and, and pay attention to uh, the roles that you're in. Let's say you're in an integrated care internship and you really feel like this is my jam. Dive all in, right? Do and be passionate about that. But you recognize that I'd rather be at a different place and I want to be a different kind of a clinician. Listen to that, right? Because ultimately, uh, you know, this is not about you in, in some sense, right? It's about the larger... Uh, callings and the needs that your community and the and the country has. And so think about it from that perspective. So don't feel bad if you kind of are in primary care for a few days and or maybe an entire semester and you're like, man, I really don't fit in. And then listen to yourself, right? That's not a value judgment at all. Like and because mental health is sorely needed everywhere that we that we go. And to, one of the things that uh, Bridget said on the chat is like, she said, Grace, you're so good at summarizing. I love it, right? And part of your role in a new environment sometimes is your ability to listen and kind of translate things back in a way that makes sense. And this happens all the time between patients and providers. This happens all the time between team members. Um, and this is where your skills as a behavioral health clinician really comes into play. Because you're able to uh, pick up things and kind of put it in a way that makes sense to the entire team. Uh, or uh, we should put it in uh, what Bridget would say, a contextual lens, right? Because it all begins to tie together once you put things in context. And Deepu, that's what, uh, back to what Christine was bringing up about, you know, what if you're in a situation where you're onboarding somebody or working with somebody who who didn't really ask for this role? is again, that's what I'll start with is I'll ask them what their values are. Like, what are your deep seated values for being the clinician that you are? And I, we, we see if there's any of them that can translate to the current context that they're in. So if it's a primary care setting and then that clinician who's never worked in this, they tell me what their values are and we kind of talk about that and flesh it out. We see if any of those can translate to this new environment to see if we can make that shift. And a huge percentage of time, it's like, yeah, we can do that. Other times it's clear that this isn't going to, this isn't going to be, but it is kind of a, a looming question. Like Grace, you were saying earlier, like rhetorical questions is, yeah, when is it that this isn't, is this a me thing? When is this that I just had, I was thrown into an, an unfavorable situation? I don't know the answer to any of that because I've seen it both. I've seen it where folks got re-excited because they're like, oh, I didn't know it could be like this. And I almost gave up on it too quick. I'm so glad I didn't. Then you have other people that are like, I have stuck this out way too long. Like, this isn't even what I want to do. And it never was. And it's like, I, I don't know the answer to those questions. 
try our best. Yeah. Well, on that note about trying our best, we're almost out of time. So I want to kind of wrap us up and I would love for us to just take this prompt really literally for just a minute. Uh, So if we have a listener and they're listening to this on their first day of integrated care, um, let's give them a little pep talk. What are your best words of wisdom or advice or support or encouragement for that listener who's on their very first day of integrated care? I had been thinking as we're talking about, you know, if I had to describe my first day of integrated care in one word, what word would I I choose? And weird, like weird is what I came up with because it's like, it's a very new skill. It's a, like that double Dutch, am I doing this right? I just feel awkward. Like, I know I believe in this fundamentally, but like, it just feels very scary and new and weird. And and that's okay. Like it's a, it's a brand new thing for you and there's going to be kinks to work out. Um, but just keep going. You'll get used to it. All right. No pressure here. Words of wisdom. <laughs> uh, there are two things that come to my mind, right? So one is, uh, in the beginner's mind, there are many possibilities and the experts mind there are a few, uh, that means no matter what level of expertise you reach, uh, always bring a high level of curiosity to what you do and to kind of adopt a beginner's mind to Bridget's point earlier. If you ever feel like you figured out integrated care, that's like slippery slope right there, right? Like walk back and be curious, even when things are going well, be curious about what made it go well, what could go better. And also in the beginner's mind is a lot of compassion, right? And because you're really curious and you're really building a sort of empathy map of everything that's going around you. So when your mind is compassionate, it's, it's boundless. And so be compassionate to yourself and the, and the team that you are given. Uh, so those would be my two um, things to keep in mind. I should have had Deepu go last. That was really good. I like that. I'm going to go back, listen to the podcast, write that down and then send it out in an email to my team. That was great. <laughs> or to the new, um, the new trainees coming on, I would say from a very, very practical standpoint that it's normal to take the, to get your feelings hurt and to have, uh, you know, kind of a personal, like if somebody wasn't overly open to you, that that's very, very normal. And I would never say not to take things personal, but I would diffuse from that if at all possible. People are going to say things and, and that's okay. And if you have your, your value at the heart of it and your mission is clear, that you want to be here and you have something to offer, which I think everyone, as Grace was saying, every single one of us has something to offer to stay the course. And that grit is going to be everything. And all of my presentations, we, we share this photo where I was like uh, kind of having a meltdown. So Dave took a picture of me. It was like the office at like six 45 in the morning and I was freaking out about something. So he comes and snaps a photo and just as a joke, and now it's in all of our presentations. And so we say, If anybody who says integration is easy, they clearly have not done it. And uh, there's lots of days like that. And at the end of the day though, there's a lot more to be grateful for. uh, And to just keep your head up, look for the wins and keep your grit for all the challenges. Yeah, I think the words that I would say is that the relationships are the key. Our relationships with our patients, our relationships with each other um, and who you bring is just incredibly essentially important to that. So enter this work um, open-heartedly and um, with an open mind and open to the possibilities of what might come. 
Well, I hope that those words of wisdom reach their intended targets um, and that you, uh, if you are beginning your integrated care journey, you feel encouraged by them. Okay, well, thank you all for being here. We're going to end the way that we always do with a closing thought and meditation from Deepu. All right, and this is uh, in line with our topic today. It's called For a New Beginning by John O'Donoghue. So, Grace, thank you for sending me that book a long time ago. So here we go. In out of the way places of the heart, where your thoughts never think to wander, this beginning has been quietly forming, waiting until you were ready to emerge. For a long time, it has watched your desire, feeling the emptiness growing inside you, noticing how you willed yourself on still unable to leave what you had outgrown. It watched you play with the seduction of safety and the gray promises that sameness whispered, heard the waves of turmoil rise and relent, wondered, would you always live like this? Then the delight when your courage kindled and out you stepped onto new ground, your eyes young again with energy and dream, a path of plentitude opening before you. Though your destination is not yet clear, you can trust the promise of this opening. Unfurl yourself into the grace of beginning that is at one with your life's desire. Awaken your spirit to adventure. Hold nothing back. Learn to find ease and risk. Soon you will home in a new rhythm for your soul senses the world that awaits you. Thank you. Thank you, Deepu. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And we'll talk to you again next month. 